Hello and welcome to a God Shift Podcast. I am your host, Shana Rattler. I am a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. In these episodes, you will learn how to grow your faith, overcome adversity, and move into a greater destiny. Individuals, organizational leaders, and ministry leaders share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler, and as always, I am so excited that you are here, and I am excited about my guest. But before we get into the conversation, I do have a favor to ask. I would love if wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you would take a screenshot. So whether that's on your phone, your tablet, your computer, wherever it is, Take a screenshot and post it on your social media. When you post it, do two things. Number one, tag us here at A God Shift. And then I just want to hear your biggest takeaway or your biggest aha moment. Why do I do that? I don't care a thing about the vanity metrics in this part of my business and ministry. I honestly couldn't even tell you how many downloads this podcast has had overall. But what I do know is that the more times that this information gets shared, the more hands that it can get into and the more lives that can be changed for the kingdom of God. And after all, that is why I do what it is that I do. So I am going to read my guest bio. I'm really excited. His energy matches mine. And that is not always the easy easiest thing to do. So I am going to read my guest bio and then we are going to get into what I believe is going to be a very exciting conversation. So my guest today is the co-founder and CEO of the Cashflow Tribe, as well as a business mentor. He was born in 1985 in Romania at a time when the country was under communist rule. His family escaped before the revolution and landed in an, in an Austrian refugee camp in 1990. After immigrating to Canada and eventually reuniting with his siblings, he developed a passion for life and a gratitude mindset. He dreamt of building an empire, motivating, entertaining, and investing in other people. Today, he has developed the largest private mortgage company in southwestern Ontario with a mission to serve young families and make home ownership possible. I'm excited to invite you to the show, Ben Humble. Through you, I can do anything, and I can do all things, for it you gives me strength. Nothing is impossible. Thank you. I'm here. We got to start off with some church. Is that cool? I love it. I love it. Come so on. you can add to your bio that you are an awesome song songer. Hey, awesome let's go. Let's go. We're here to help and impact some people. I'm so excited to be here with you. I love your intro. I do a lot of shows and I just, you're like, I don't even care about the vanity metrics. You and I are so aligned on that. I and know. sometimes when people read the bio and they go through the success and you've done this and this and this and this, I'm like, I'd rather you not even read that stuff and just go, he loves Jesus. And he loves people. End of story. He's on the podcast. So Point let's start with that. To the period. Point blank into the period. So let's Ben, go. I want to establish a little bit of context for our conversation today. So the name of my ministry is called A God Shift. And most people are like, ooh, ah, that sounds so cool. But they have no idea what it means. And so my definition of a God Shift is the moment that you unlock your kingdom authority, 
collide with God's purpose and move into a greater destiny. But my personal definition of kingdom authority is the birthright that we have as children of God to actually make scripture come alive in our lives. I like to say that the reason why Jesus was able to die is because that same authority that he had, he passed it on to us, which is why in John 14 and 12, it says greater works than these shall you do in my name because I'm going with the father. So he basically was like, look, I'm out of here. I'm about to ascend into heaven. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the father. But don't you worry. All the things that I did here while I was on earth, you're going to be able to do that. And then some I'm not doing nothing else. The authority is now on you. The responsibility is now on you to make these scriptures come to life in their in your life. So I would love to know, Ben, what is your personal definition of kingdom authority? Wow, what a profound and amazing start to a conversation. Kingdom authority. God gives each of us talents and gifts. And in our lives, we get to, God curates those so that we can really maximize and master the gifts. Like I love music. I love speaking. I love communication. God has put these things on my heart and given me a voice. And I believe kingdom authority is when you understand taking the ROI of what we can do in this life, and we put a K in front of the ROI, K-R-O-I. It's not just enough for you to make money, but you need to make money for the kingdom. It's yeah. not just enough for you to make music, but you got to make music to elevate the kingdom. And I mean, God's kingdom, not the universe, not the couch, not some other thing. I'm talking about Jesus Christ at the center of it all. So putting the K, kingdom, ROI, to everything that you apply, the relationships in your life, this, this body is not your body. This is God's body. You can use it to honor God and honor the things that he's done for you, or you can squander it. So when it's the kingdom's body, when it's the kingdom's bank account, when it's the kingdom's relationships, when it's the kingdom's marriage, I believe that's what authority is because God gives each of us an opportunity. My daddy taught me when I was a little boy, he said, everything in life is a choice. Yes. You have a choice every single day. If somebody slaps you across the face, it is your choice to get upset. Mm. It is your choice to react. Everything is a choice. You are a free agent. God has given you the authority to become a free agent to make decisions and to serve him or choose not to serve him. So I don't believe that adversity is a bad thing. I believe that adversity is a weapon of change that you can use to inspire other people. And I believe that you have a choice every single day. Is there a K in front of everything you do? Is there a kingdom component? And for me, my life got exponentially better when I finally surrendered to this idea of kingdom ROI. And, yeah. and it just became, I'll be honest, my life got real simple, real fast. You know, it was easy to make decisions. Now, it wasn't easy from the flesh perspective, but from the spirit perspective, it became very simple. Right and wrong became very simple. So that's what I think this, this is, is understanding that we all have a kingdom assignment. Yes. I believe that we all have a curated life so that we can make a decision to follow it or not. And when you do, oh my Lord, does life get amazing. So yes. I'm fired up over this conversation. You're speaking on every cylinder. Let's go. And you are so much my brother from another mother. And all of those things that you said, if anybody has been listening to this podcast any amount of time, at one point or another, they have heard me say exactly every single thing that you said, mm. except that my life got simple. I don't know that it got simple. Um, I think it became more complicated in terms of the number of factors and facets that my life includes now, but it is simple. I love that you say that it's simple in the fact that if I keep my mind focused on making sure that everything comes back in a way that highlights the kingdom, 
It makes mm. the way I behave more streamlined. It makes how I, you know, come about in decisions. It makes everything real simple because you're you use it as like your temperature check. Does this come back to build the kingdom? Does this come back and help to build the kingdom? Yeah, let me just add to that if I can. What I mean by simple is that you have a guiding principles in your life. And when you build your life on the foundation of the Bible and the foundation of Jesus Christ that on the cross for you, I just say it's easy. Yes. Easy is something we used to define the flesh, in my opinion. It's like, this is easy for me to say yes and no to. Like, it's not easy for me to sit next to a cheeseburger and not indulge. But it's simple. You either do or you do not. Simple is foundational. One of my core defining kind of life statements is data, not drama. The Bible gives me data. It tells me these are the Ten Commandments. It tells me that love God, love people. Like to me, that is simple. It's not complicated. Is yeah. it easy to do? No. Some people I love, but I don't like. All right. Yeah. Some people I've learned to I've learned to separate in my life, loving the person and not loving the behavior. That's fine. But like, I, I, it's not complicated. You gotta love people. I don't have to love your views. That's okay. I don't have to love your opinions and behaviors. I don't have to love any of this other stuff. God didn't tell me I have to love this stuff, but he said, love the human, love the person I created because I gave that person free dominion. I gave them choice. I, I, I gave them free will to decide what to do and they've got to make the decisions that align with me or they don't. But that doesn't take away the fact that you got to love. Yeah. Love what God created. So that's what I mean by simple. I don't mean easy, but I mean simple. So simple is just uncomplicated for me. It's a way that we get to do life where the rules are simple. The rhetoric is simple. I know, I know where I tether. I'll say this one thing. My pastor taught me probably the most important thing about being a Christian. He said, somebody walked up to me one day and said, you Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Y'all a bunch of hypocrites, man. And, and he thought about it for a second. He said, you know what? You're absolutely right. In fact, there's only one distinction that I can think of between a Christian and a non-Christian. He said that when you have a problem as a non-Christian, you go to everything in this world looking for a solution. When I have a problem as a Christian, I go to the cross. Yes. That is the only solution I got. That is the only difference. I'm not more righteous, right? I'm not more spiritual. You know, I'm, I'm not better than you. I just have a different solution. When I'm broken, I go to the cross. When you're broken, you go to everything else that looks like a cross. And I think that that's the key distinction we got to be open about. Like Jesus died for my sins and yours. He didn't say that I'm better. Yeah. He didn't say that I'm more deserving. We're all the same. We're all his children at his feet. I just choose to go to the cross with everything I have, my good and the bad. Yeah. And that's why I believe it's simple. I love what you said about, about that choice of going to God versus going to everything else, because I think that's what separates relationship from religion. And when I think about kingdom authority, I'm reminded that when we think about in our natural lives, because I believe that there is a natural parallel for every spiritual principle. And when we think about our natural lives, whether we're working on a project or whether we're working on our marriage, there isn't anything in our natural life where you are in relationship with another person or persons. And it is the sole responsibility of only one person to play a role in what it is that you're doing. But why we as Christians think that it shouldn't mm. be any different with God. We think that because God is powerful and that because God is God all by himself, that he does not desire 
to partner mm-hmm. with us and co-create and getting where it is that he wants us in life. It's almost like we think that he's this genie in a bottle and he's going to say, you know what, Ben, I've got this great destiny for you. And all you have to do is sit back and twiddle your thumbs and just mm-hmm. watch me do you right. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like we can't do it without him and he can't do it without us. I had somebody ask me, so are you saying that since we have kingdom authority, that means we're Jesus? No, we're not Jesus, but we're his brothers and sisters. We're heirs to Christ. So that means that we have a relationship with the father. And it's this parallel vertical relationship that nothing else needs to exist outside of that. Why do you think people believe that when it comes to the things of God, that it should be this and that like it is in the world? Well, uh, I'll go back to something my pastor said is that is that we have the word, which does not change. And then we have the world, which changes all the time. What's right becomes wrong. What's acceptable is unacceptable. What's unacceptable becomes acceptable. And the world has a way of constantly shifting and changing. It's a chameleon. And people are so busy keeping up with the world's definition of what is socially acceptable what is politically acceptable, that we forget that the word has already defined it. Yeah. And we've got to come to terms with this and go, listen, this is simple. This is complicated. Like, I don't want, am I left and my right? Am I blue, green? I just remember God saying black and yellow, right? Doesn't matter, white, red. We're all precious in his sight. Cool, that, I can get behind that. I think people are always trying to rationalize things that don't need to be rationalized. Yeah. Listen, my, my best friend and cousin a year ago, it was a defining moment for me. He's 31 years old and he passed away. He died of an instant heart attack, sleeping next to his wife at 11 o'clock at night. No pre-existing condition that we know of. And it was him, his wife and his baby at his in-law's house and just passed away in Detroit, Michigan. And, and our whole family and people in our, in our faith and church are asking, why, why, God, why did you take him? Why? What's the meaning? What's the, we don't get it. He's so young. He was a Christ-like example of love and humility in this world. He was everybody's best friend. He was more than a cousin. He was a brother. And people are trying to figure out why, why, why. And I remember sitting there watching, watching the, the funeral, and, and I just go, it doesn't matter why. You're trying to rationalize what can't be rationalized. God yeah. put us on this earth. You don't need to understand every decision that happens. I also don't blame God for things like plane crashes and people taking decisions and, 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 and creating creating havoc in this world. They can't blame God for the human complexion. God is God. So I think we have to be, we have to go back to the root and go, God, I appreciate the time I had with this cousin that I love so much. Thank you for bringing him into my life. And I might not understand the why, but, but at, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, God, you understand everything beyond me. If I understand everything God understands, what's the point of a God? Yeah. What do I need you for, God? What, what is the purpose of faith if I understand everything in this universe? And I think that uh, we have a hard time with faith. I understand from my dad, who's a pastor, he said that hope gets the conversation started. Faith is a verb. It's an action. It yes. keeps hope moving, right? So my dad, and I'll get to my story at some point, I'm sure, but we escaped communism as a kid. My father had a vision from God, and he had the faith to act on that vision, and the faith is what carried him through. Taking action in obedience. My pastor says that delayed obedience equals disobedience. Yes. Isn't that good? Delayed Isn't obedience that good? is not obedience at all. <laughs> That's disobedience. So 
So I believe in this concept of faith, and I believe that the world continues to change and and uh, evolve isn't a good word because evolve has a positive uh, connotation, but it, it it changes. And I think at some point we look at the world and go, hey, why is this? How is this not Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah. Right. And I just think becoming obedient to the Bible is a simple thing, but we have to choose the obedience to it. And, and, and we may not want to because the flesh says no. And I've learned that one of the greatest things I've learned in life about growth and development is to is to silence the flesh and to feed the spirit. Deny the flesh, feed the spirit. If you do that every single day, it may not feel good, but you'll be doing good. And at some point, doing good and doing good and doing good will feel and fulfill you beyond the, the, the short-term feelings that you may have by feeding the flesh. The flesh isn't your ally. It's not your enemy, but it's not your ally. We have to understand that the, all of the things that happen in our lives that we don't want is a, is a symptom of us feeding the flesh, right? Feeding the ego, feeding the, the enemy knows. I, I don't think the enemy gave you desires, but they know, the enemy knows how to play on your desires. Of course. If you've, got an, if you've got an addiction of pornography or something else, the enemy knows how to bring that stuff into your world. He'll present it to you. He'll present the greed, the lust. He'll present these fears, insecurities. He'll bring them into your world and go, hey, remember this? This is still here. Your job is to recognize that you got these things and you've got to, there's only one outcome. You can go to everything else in this world to try to fight all these desires and temptations and fears and scarcity. Or you can go to the cross. Those are your choices, one or everything else. And my God is mightier than all these other outcomes, all these other solutions. Yeah. So I choose to become obedient. And it's been a learning, you know, like, like every young man, we all go through things. And I just surrendered it. Boom. God, I'm surrendering to your will. You tell me what you want. And we can talk about what that looks like in my life today. But man, is it, it's incredible what happens to your life when you finally give up you give up control. You relinquish control to gain freedom. Right. I do want to talk about your life for a second, Ben, especially as it relates to kingdom authority. So when you thought about, you know, your own definition of kingdom, kingdom authority, it's putting the K in front of everything, making sure that all things that you think, do, say, whatever, comes back to building the kingdom. So when you think about where you started in life and where you are now, whether it came down to growing your faith or overcoming adversity, how would you say that you personally have used kingdom authority to get to where you are today? Mm, great question. So I grew up, we grew up in a communist country. I was born in Romania um, during communism. There's no freedom of speech or religion. My dad is a, is a faithful person. And at 27 years old with five children, he has a vision from God that you've got to leave this country. Everything he knew was in that country. All the propaganda would tell him that America and Canada, North America was a desolate place where people slept under bridges. There was no food. And it made no sense rationally from what his country knew and his people knew that he would ever leave. But God gave him a vision, said, you have to go. There's bigger things for you. And he decided to become obedient to that vision. And through prophetic word, him and my mom made a decision to, like, to leave. And they had five children. And the, the, the evening before he left, he went to a neighbor's house because I don't know if you know what communism is like, but you can't talk about anything during communism. There's spies everywhere. People go to jail. They disappear. They get kidnapped, all these things. He went to a neighbor's house and said, I need you to watch my son and daughter. Mm. I'll be back. And he had to turn away. And my little brother says to him, he, he said, dad, wherever you go, don't stay long. 
but I'm the oldest of five. I could walk. He could strap one baby to his arms and my mom could strap the other baby to her arms. And he grabbed three children and he ran across the border. My brother and sister were safe back home. And we ran. And for two and a half days, we would hide in the evenings. We would cross at the different borders. And then we would we arranged a caravan, a small little car that we would jump in this car. We would we would gun it to the next border and we would hide again. And two and a half days later, we walk into an Austrian refugee camp. My dad and the small little caravan of people and these little kids. And he didn't know three or four months later that they would execute the president of Romania on live television, shoot him in the head next to his wife. And he didn't know that on the day that my mother, who was pregnant, would come home from the hospital and give birth to my sister, the sixth child, that my brother and sister would be reunited from Romania and brought to the refugee camp. He didn't know this stuff. He didn't know that in the morning he'd have three children with him and in the evening he'd have six. He didn't know that he would apply to come to North America and America would turn him down and Canada said, come on over, that he would come to Canada and have three more children in Canada. He didn't know that when he finally landed in the airport, that he had this vision of God from God. He had these words in his mind that he didn't know what they meant. And as soon as he landed, God just revealed to him the word were T-O-R-O-N-T-O. Those words spelled Toronto. That was the airport we landed in Canada. Wow. He didn't know, but he had faith to keep moving forward. This is a man with nine children. This is a man who's on his fourth language. This is a man who's pursuing faith. And this is the beginning of my life. So you can't tell me that a bunch of rocks collided and my dad went through this whole ordeal and we went through this whole ordeal when so many of my brothers and sisters, people from my nation were killed, captured, and left left without a home. This was the beginning of life. So I grew up with this idea that if you believe in God, you stay, you stay focused, you stay faithful, God will continue to open up opportunities and doors for you, but you've got to walk through. How many of his peers and friends and people from church didn't have the faith and the courage to go and follow that voice. Maybe they had the same voice. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But I can imagine that God spoke to a lot of people in that time. So for me, I grew up as this young man, you know, trying to figure out, you know, my own journey and, and how to honor my dad's legacy. And I was a musician and, and I got kicked out of music school because my teacher said, you're the most talented and laziest kid we got. I said, okay. <laughs> so I did the only thing I knew how to do. Like I got immigrant parents. We know how to clean. So I started a floor cleaning service and I cleaned in evenings and scrubbed floors and eventually got into real estate and I, and I grinded and grinded. And at 30 years old, I made a million bucks and I said, okay, I finally am going to feel what I'm trying to feel. And a million dollars was the most lonely thing in the world. Mm. And God poked at me and said, you were not brought here to live for you. In a moment, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, you got to give, you got to give it back to me. Everything you've got has to come back to me. I didn't bring you here to live for yourself. Yeah. And at 30 years, I went through a forced midlife, Holy Spirit induced crisis. And I came back and I came back to God in a radical way where I was open about my faith. Like I grew up in a conservative church household. And even though my dad escaped communism, we went to conservative churches and everything was you know, don't be gossiped about and don't be this and don't be that and don't be this and don't be that. That 30 years old, I was just liberated. I said, you know what? Christ went into all the corners of the world. He went into the brothels. He went into the areas where people weren't holy. And I said, God, give me a voice. And, and that's been my journey for the last seven years. Is God's like, you're going to be a marketplace evangelist. You're going to get out there and you're going to be imperfect. 
and you're going to do what you know how to do. I've given you a gift of making money. I've given you talent for music. I've given you a voice of evangelism. I've given you the life experiences that you've seen a great man do great things. And you better get into the world and be ready to be persecuted. It's okay if they yell at you. If It's okay if they don't like you. If you don't, they don't like your tone of voice. They don't like the fact that you swear and cuss all the time. That's okay. I didn't make you for the people in the church. I gave you this life for the people outside of the church. Because if it was for the church, you would have stayed back home in your comfort zone. Yeah. I sent you into the world. So I've lived my life with this conviction for the last number of years that God put me in the marketplace. He put me to help people and, and lead it back to God. It's as simple as that, unashamed. So I'm a radical, evangelic, Bible-believing, imperfect human being helping people live a better life and then turning all the glory back to God. So God, God has conditioned me to be in this very room with you. Like my whole life, I could say, leads up to this defining moment to go, God, this is all yours. Yeah. Whatever you need from me, that's what you have. Yeah. Join the club. So we are going to take a quick break. And then I have a question that I want to ask you about something you said in your story. And we're going to share some tips with the audience of how they can begin to bring all this back together in their life. This episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to follow God's plan to move you into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. Head to GodSaysShift.com. That's GodSaysShift.com to access it now. So Ben, I want to ask you a question about something that you said when you were sharing the story about the tenacity that your father had during his journey. You, you alluded to the fact of the people that were around him did not seem to possess the same faith or the same ability to move their, their, their feet and, and take action that he did. One of the things that I believe can be one of the largest obstacles for us shifting forward to a better place in our lives is when our circle and dare I say, sometimes our church has not built the muscle that it takes to move forward in the face of adversity. Can you speak a little bit about, about that maybe with people that you've coached or just things that you've seen in your own life? Yeah, of course. So adversity is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. A lot of people look at it as like the devil's tempting me. It's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have adversity. It's not a bad thing. I've got this thing in my education business. We, we teach financial education, real estate education. Give them to me hungry and broke and willing every time. We have a lot of comforts in our society. We don't face true adversity. And I feel guilty saying that, but I have a soft place for people from real adversity, people who are immigrants, people have come from visible minorities. Like, listen, you got to have a reason. You got to have a strong enough reason to be vocal about what you want in this life. Um, but it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to get into a positive church group and be positive and everything is good. And, and when it's good, you know, that's fine. But at the same time, though, are you living for Christ inside of those four walls or outside or both? Yeah. When God gives you a lot, I found in life that, you know, when life is too easy and too good, we get complacent. And that's, that's the flesh. That's not the spirit. The spirit wants you to be happy. It wants you to be content. But the flesh, when the flesh gets complacent, it gets lazy. And we tend to consolidate all of our worship to the building. And then when we leave the building, we go and we, we conform too much. So what I would challenge people is this. 
Get out of your comfort zone. Get Meet new people. There are billions of people on this planet, many of which may not know Jesus. And your job is to share the gospel and start focusing on some kingdom ROI in addition to going to that church group, in addition to belonging to that alpha group or cornerstone group, in addition to the praise and worship at your local church, God needs us to be marketplace evangelists. You have an audience. Every single person listening to this has a job or has an environment or has people in their circle that doesn't know Jesus. Yeah. And your, your job is to open up a conversation. It's not to be righteous and, and to condemn people for their faith or lack of faith, but it's to open up conversations. And my question is, are you living that with full conviction? So I believe God calls some of us to go into the marketplace and become evangelists. I believe he calls others to, to kind of live in our, in our sphere of influences and also preach the gospel. But every single one of us has the same mandate from the Holy Spirit is that we have to be open and invite people to Christ. So it's just a matter of how bold you want to be in that conviction. Yeah. And I lived my life, like, listen, I got to make up for lost time here. I lived my life as a, as a kind of a scared Christian for years because I grew up in the church, you know, and I kept my faith over here and my, and my church friends over here. And then I kept my other friends over here in high school and things. And I realized that that was wrong. I have no business keeping them separate. Like I have one life and one father and one life to, to connect people to the father. That's it. So I open up the convo. Yeah. And listen, there's a way to do this. I think the Lord gives you skill. When you want to be an evangelist and you ask for the Lord to guide you, he gives you the skills to talk to people. He gives you the openness and the words and the convictions to speak. And, you know, I love this modern, a lot of people that I talk to, they don't like this generation. They don't like the fact that everybody's so freedom of speech, freedom of faith, freedom of religions, freedom of LGBTQ, freedom of this, freedom of that. Some people don't like that. I, I actually like it a lot. You know why? Because if you get to have your chosen faith or religion or belief system, then so do I. Right. I find that Christians in many parts, we've diluted our faith, our evangelism, because we want to accommodate everybody else's beliefs. And we, we are so reluctant to offend. And listen, I don't care. I'm here to offend. And you got to get offended a little bit to wake up. I'm cool with that. I'm very much a polarizing character. And I find a lot of people either love me or they don't like me. But you know what? Some Bible says something about lukewarm, doesn't it? It does. And I would rather I, I would rather you be hot or cold. Just pick one and stick with it. Pick one. <laughs> pick one and stick with it because there's people, listen, there are people that are cold that need to get hot and they need somebody hot to turn them hot. If you're living lukewarm and there's people cold in your life that need to know the Lord and you're not being hot on fire for Christ and they see that your life is nothing but a bunch of lukewarm, lukewarm is not enticing. You can't boil an egg in lukewarm. You can't feed somebody with lukewarm. You can't help somebody if you're lukewarm for Christ. You better get hot. Cold will get to hot quickly, but lukewarm doesn't help anybody. That's so right. I've learned in my life, it's simple. You know, like if somebody wants to criticize me and somebody wants to whatever, I'm a freedom fighter. I'm an evangelist, freedom fighter for Christ, for the things that I believe, for my personal convictions. But guess what? There are people that come to the Lord. There are people that see me and I go, hey, listen, you see me as this light. You see me as this successful young guy who travels everywhere and has wealth and has great relationships, and has a 14-year marriage, and you see my life, and you're inspired by my life, and guess what? I'm not the light, but I'm definitely shining light on the one who made me. And, I, and, and, and listen, some people aren't comfortable speaking this aggressively. Yeah. Well, Ben, I got I to gotta, I gotta love people. Yeah, but how you love people, how you love them. There's, a lot, there's different kinds of love. There's a tough love, right? There's a gentle love, but there's a tough love, and I think a lot of Christians 
maybe are too scared to be a tough love kind of Christian. And listen, I'm on social media every day making rants about things. I made a whole hashtag, hashtag no prenup, right? Hashtag no prenup. And that, that kind of had its own little viral thing. And I got all these people hating on me over the no prenup deal and all this thing. And we won't get into that today, but I'm like, listen, my beliefs are my beliefs. Right. You will never take away my freedom of expression because in this society, it is acceptable to have freedom of expression. Just because I don't agree with your version of what freedom is and faith is, that's okay. You're allowed to disagree. And we don't have to be violent about it. We don't have to be, we don't have to hurt each other over it. But I'm allowed to have my faith, just like you're allowed to not have faith. That's right. You mentioned inspiration, men, and I love inspiration, but there's one thing that I love more than inspiration, and that's transformation. And I believe that the true way that we get transformation is to go beyond information and really share tips and advice that people can make sure that they're implementing. So if there is someone who is listening to this episode right now and they're like, I love this. That sounds great. I may or may not have ever even heard of Kingdom Authority before, um, but I know that I'm struggling to implement Kingdom Authority in my life in order to shift my life to a better place. So if you could share one tip with somebody who is struggling to use Kingdom Authority in their life, what would that tip be? So create a KPI. A KPI is a key performance indicator. My, my motto is data, not drama, right? We want to do anything in life, show me the data. And create a KPI, create a, create a series of stats that you follow every single day. And as you do that, you'll have a compounding growth. The book Compound Effect talks about this. You want to have more kingdom authority, find the area in your life where you feed the flesh way too much and start feeding the spirit. One thing you could do is you could go for a walk with God every single day for 365. It's a half an hour walk with Christ every single day, non-negotiable in your calendar. It's a KPI. So next time I meet you, I'm going to say, how are you doing? You're going to say, I'm 365 days closer to the Lord. Hey now, right? It's no different than losing weight. You want to lose some weight? Why don't you get in a caloric deficit? Why don't you cut out some of the junk food? Why don't we go for a walk every single day? Like, listen, there's a very tactical answer to everything in life. Yeah. You got to find the things that resonate with you and create a very specific daily actionable thing. And it can't be too wide of a gap from where you are today. If you got, like, if you're overweight, you got to lose weight. Like you're not going to lose a hundred pounds in a month, but you could go for a walk every day. You can lift your legs every day. You yeah. could eat a little bit less every single day. And the Holy Spirit works the same way. You want to hear from God. You want to feel more greater kingdom authority Then find the things that are favorable to God and put some effort in that every single day of your life. God has given you great relationships. My wife, I've been married 14 years. God needs me to be a responsible steward of that household. What am I doing every single day to be closer to my wife? Am I taking the half an hour? Am I taking the one hour? Am I taking the time and energy and focus to be, on, to be with my wife and be present? Or am I on this stupid device every day, right? Over here, every single day on the social media, and I'm looking to supplement what I'm not doing at home. Right. You want to grow the relationships, put in daily work. You want to grow your spirit, put in daily work. You want to grow your body, put in daily work. You want to grow your bank account? Hey, now, spend a little bit less. Learn how to make a little bit more money and learn how to invest instead of spend. Stop being a consumer and start creating some things. God created us to create. I don't believe God created us to consume 24-7. You want to, you want to feel less horrible about the world? Quit watching the news. So all these things, I can give you a rhetoric, a blueprint of things you can do every day in your life. And if you do five or six things, man, is going to shift the quality of your life, your yeah. mood, your mindset, your bank account, the rest of it. But 
This is a daily journey, and there are no days off to growing in your personal development and your faith. If you're willing to commit the audience member, pick the one area, make one small change, and you're not going to feel like you're growing, but that's okay. Holler at me in 365 and tell me, tell me how that area of life has improved. Because here's the thing. If you don't do that, compounding works the other way too. It's, it declines just as quickly as it can accelerate and grow. If you don't take care of your body, holler at me in 365 when you've got some extra weight on there and show me what's up. So you got 365 to make a change. And I just live that way. Every day counts. You got to create something every day. So I hope that's the one practical tip. It's, it's not magic. It's consistency. It's not easy, but it's simple. I love it. So ladies and gentlemen, I told you that this was going to be exciting and Ben Humble did not disappoint. So Mr. Ben Humble, before we wrap up, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you and follow you? Thank you. Yeah, humble.ceo is our website. We've got a great couple books there that'll help you in life. I wrote a book called From Communism to Capitalism, sharing the stories, especially for those of you looking to, uh, to increase your financial situation. So humble.ceo is an entrance to our world. We're glad to serve and help everybody who connects with us. Okay, perfect. Is, and is there any social media that you would like to provide? Definitely. Instagram, Ben Humble, underscore. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, there you have it. I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes so that you don't have to try to rewind and figure out where you might have missed it. All you have to do is click that link. So, Ben, thank you so much for being here. Audience, I appreciate you listening. I pray that this episode has blessed you as much as it has blessed me. I hope that you will share it. Go back and listen to old episodes and listen to future episodes as well. It's your host, Shana Rattler, signing off. I pray that you all have a great day. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.